Welcome to HealthCast. I'm your host, Adam Patterson. We are joined today by Dr. Tom Osborne, Director of the Veterans Affairs National Center for Collaborative Healthcare Innovation. Dr. Osborne has been responsible for overseeing VA's adaptation of 5G capacities to a range of new healthcare technologies. As a recent innovation, 5G represents the next generation of mobile networks, providing significantly greater bandwidth and overall more powerful data transfer and download speeds. With 5G having been adopted starting in 2019, its information transfer capacities have been used to support more sophisticated technical applications. Veterans Affairs has been applying these largely to medical innovations, including capacities like augmented reality that have been used to provide more advanced forms of surgical prep and other kinds of patient care. Dr. Osborne, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Really great to have you. So I want to start out with kind of a question about you uh, and your background, and that is, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your career and your research interests overall, and what first brought you to your role as the director of VA's National Center for Collaborative Healthcare Innovation? Oh, man, Adam, thanks for the question. I don't know if we have enough time for that, but I'll try to make it succinct. So I'm a physician, and I'm really compelled, like many people in healthcare, to improve the lives of other people. And even before I got into healthcare and before I went to med school, I was working at this interface between a lot of different, otherwise disconnected fields, you know, whether it's design and art and technology and computing and also medicine. So when I was in that space, I really was super excited, you know, I mean, this was where, when all the pistons were firing and it was really something I was good at, you know, and I was able to bring people together and in ways that couldn't have otherwise happened before and produce something that was, you know, the whole was bigger than the sum of the individual parts. So, you know, I thought that was just, you know, at one point before I went to med school, I thought it was fun, but I didn't think that you could ever make a career of it. And so did that for a little bit. And then med school, geez, med school is like drinking from a fire hydrant, you know, just trying to absorb all that information. So I put that stuff on hold and didn't really really think about it until I got towards the end of my training in residency and fellowship. And I started to do some more of that again for no other reason than to try solve problems uh, for patients and also for my colleagues. And that's when I was like, oh my gosh, like this thing that I put in the past is still here. And it's really something that I'm excited about. And I did more of that. And the more, you know, you do something, the better you get at it, the more you do more of it. And eventually I, uh, it became, uh, you know, that the hobby became the job, so to speak. Yeah, that sounds like a really uh, fortuitous connection. And it's brought you to an interesting place as well, because it sounds like a lot of the work you're doing with 5G right now does represent this kind of synthesis, bringing together of, you know, a new frontier in IT capacities with obvious payoff for the, the lives and well-being and outcome of patients. So I'm kind of curious, 5G is a relatively new capacity. I know there are wings of the government that have started to explore applying it within their capacities in, say, the past year or two. So I'm curious, when did VA first begin exploring the application of 5G to healthcare management and patient treatment overall? Yeah, it's a great question. So I could give you a little more background that might help frame this up. So I am the director for VA's National Center for Collaborative Healthcare Innovation. And in that role, our goal is to provide the best and most advanced healthcare possible to our veterans. And 
As such, you know, our National Center works as a bit of an incubator to accelerate the development of new things and do rigorous assessment to ensure things are working well or to optimize them before we look to scale those things and solve real world challenges that help more people. And so that's sort of the background where we're, the lens that we're looking through. And, you know, we hope and we work to uncover insights and develop tools that, you know, transform illness to wellness. And we're really passionate about that. And there's a, a lot of tools that we can utilize, although we use probably every advanced tool that, you know, is out there and people are talking about, we're really problem focused. You know, we, we sort of have a great broad understanding through the collaborations we have across administration and business and other stakeholders in medicine and, and technology. We really have a good understanding of where the pain points are uh, and we look for the best tools available to solve them. Sometimes we, you know, use fairly basic tools and solutions and other times we go really out on the edge at the cutting edge. And sometimes it's a combination of things. And so we, we, early on, we recognized that 5G and edge computing and mixed reality and things like that, that could be used in combination had the ability to really transform in a positive way, positively transform the way we deliver healthcare. And uh, that became really compelling. And quite frankly, you know, we also realized that like many things, you go into it with one expectation and goal, but in the process, you know, you hope that you also discover many more things, you know, serendipity that would come up in the process of, you know, your rigorous assessment and work. And so we've done that full spectrum of, of things. And um, 5G was one of those tools that would help us achieve some of the goals that we had. And uh, we worked on that for a while and we went live as the first VA and one of the first 5G hospitals in the world on February 4th, 2000. That's pretty impressive. And it really does sound like it is this kind of exploratory process. And it sounds like if memory serves, a lot of the, the research is centered on something called project convergence, which has really kind of pushed VA or put VA rather in a position to begin exploring a 5G a bit more. Can you kind of give a breakdown on what exactly project convergence is and where it fits within VA's broader health IT modernization push? Yeah, Adam, great question. So, you know, the, this sort of fits into some of the things, the, some of the great questions you asked early on. And, you know, the next phase of impactful innovations happen at this intersection. You know, the intersection of diverse expertise and experience and resources. And to some degree, that is what this Project Convergence is about. And in this case, Project Convergence is a large public and private collaboration and each partner brings complementary elements. So Verizon brings, you know, the 5G and our, you know, VA Palo Alto healthcare system became the first 5G enabled hospital and one of the first in the world, like we talked about. Microsoft brings the advanced mixed reality, uh, you know, HoloLens 2 uh, headset and engineering expertise. Metavis is a software healthcare company and they bring their engineering expertise for the augmented reality and mixed reality software. And they also have the first FDA cleared software for many of the use cases that we're using. And uh, together, we're all coming together. You know, obviously the VA's got experts in healthcare and understanding how things go together in administration. So all of us sort of, it's like a, if you think about it, a big Venn diagram, there's things that we are 
coming together where we have shared interest and knowledge in other areas that we are complementing each other and filling in gaps. And we're leveraging all this to do all kinds of really cool stuff that I'm sure you're going to ask me about shortly, but I can get into it whenever you like. Yeah, I will, I will probably probably ask you at least a bit more about that. But it all sounds like a really interesting kind of consilience program in a way that there's a lot of coming together of various forms of expertise to, to form a greater whole in the service of obviously in this case, really improving patient care and helping provide, you know, a new frontier of treatment. And the next question I actually want to ask is pulling back a little bit. And I'm kind of curious that broadly speaking, what are the distinct benefits of 5G networks compared to the still more widely used previous 4G model. And what aspects of these upgrades or new capacities are, would you say, are most relevant to healthcare and medical innovation? Adam, another great question. And this is something that I think a lot of people are, are sort of talking about and starting to share ideas about. But uh, so you, you have two really good parts of that question. The first part is I'll touch on, which is basically the difference between 4G and 5G. So I guess in a nutshell, 5G allows you to do more and faster. And more specifically, if you go from 4G to 5G, if you throw an analogy at it, it's kind of like going from traveling on a dirt road to a super highway without traffic. And so some might say, hey, I like dirt roads and, you know, dirt roads are cool, you know, if, if that's, you know, if that's what you want to do and you are riding a bike and you want to look at the scenery and that's fine. But for some situations, then you need, you know, you need more than that. And, you know, quite frankly, not everyone, even in the last century thought that, you know, if we want to throw this analogy even further, that, you know, the superhighways across the country were needed. And they didn't think it was worth the investment. However, if you want to like really go down this path of analogy, the U.S. highway system has provided us with unparalleled efficiency, you know, in, in both personal and business capabilities, which have been, you know, critical for our agile and diverse economy. And it's been, you know, having that infrastructure has allowed us to lower costs, provide greater choice and provide greater personal mobility and freedom and options and infrastructure, you know, all kinds of stuff. We can do rapid disaster response, all safety, national security, things that we expected have come out of that and things that we didn't expect have come out of that. And so I think that analogy is really appropriate for, you know, what we can do with 5G because it's an infrastructure, it's a pathway, it's a, a conduit where we can move things back and forth efficiently. There's things that we know that it can help with, and there's other things that we kind of speculate and don't even know yet. So it's a full spectrum. Uh, the second part of your question is great too. So one of the amazing things we've been able to do in healthcare over the last you know, decades is we've accelerated the ability to collect a lot of important data. However, what we've not been as successful at doing in healthcare is transforming that data into information and then into knowledge and ultimately wisdom. And, you know, that's hard, no doubt. And my teams have been working and published a lot of academic papers that have shown the value that can be extracted from specific, you know, data sets for specific conditions. And this work is done retrospectively and usually done by spending months interrogating historical data 
over time with traditional systems. But the next frontier, this is where it gets really exciting. The next frontier is leveraging many different and sometimes large data sets real time to provide critical insights and inform guidance at the point of care. And 5G is positioned to be very important part of that puzzle. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting point. And, and it really gets to your emphasis that 5G, it sounds like, is obviously not an endpoint to itself. It's a foundation for greater innovation and for, for refining and improving upon the delivery of care across a lot of different verticals. And in light of that, it also sounds like not only has, has 5G been adopted at your Palo Alto Medical Center, but across other areas within the VA's broader you know, American healthcare network. And I'm kind of curious in light of that, which regional VA medical networks or care centers have been the earliest adopters of 5G so far? And what have been some of their landmark projects that have really used or taken advantage of 5G? Yeah, I, I want to go back and you know the earlier statements you said are very insightful and I totally agree. As far as the other VA, so you know, as you noted, the VA is big. It's the largest integrated healthcare system in the United States. And um, you know, our Palo Alto healthcare system has been far out at the leading edge of this initiative. And uh, I know others are, are working to develop the infrastructure with other teams, and I know they're diligently getting up to speed, and we provide some guidance whenever we can. But right now, we're really focused on continuing to advance our innovative work and haven't uh, been tuned into as much what the specifics that other groups are trying to do. Totally fair. Yeah. And something I'm also kind of curious about in terms of a, a specific project, if you can speak to it, is that we uh, had the good fortune to interview someone who is working on uh, VHA's uh, augmented reality uh, capacities, using those to really help uh, with certain areas of patient care, like, you know, for example, trauma recovery or pain management. And it sounds like 5G has some special applicability there as well. And, and I'm kind of curious if you could share, how has 5G really allowed VA to better explore these kind of augmented reality capacities? And also, how have these been deployed to say, kind of improve caregiver training and surgical techniques? Because that sounds like a really promising frontier. Yeah, that's great. So, I mean, the, the mixed reality, the augmented reality, uh, sort of virtual reality space is really exciting in a lot of different ways. In fact, uh, earlier last month, I was lead author, or actually a senior author on a paper done with another group of VA colleagues at Asheville. And Kaylin uh, Rollins was the lead author for that. And that was using virtual reality to help with pain and anxiety. And our results were really compelling. It's a non-pharmacologic uh, solution for patients who are in pain. And we have a bunch of other projects that are expanding on that. So that's not, obviously it's not augmented reality, it's virtual reality, different technology, but this whole space is really, really kind of exciting. And there's a lot of possibilities that are uh, happening. So for us, to answer your questions about what we're doing, we are using this really en engaging platform to do a lot of stuff. And we have a roadmap that's designed from you know, the relatively low-hanging fruit, which doesn't require a lot or as much of regulatory and compliance you know, guidelines and work, to more advanced work down the line that we're working towards that requires a lot of oversight, including FDA 
that we're working diligently towards. And so some of this stuff we're working in parallel, but we're also sort of like mapping it out in a logical progression so we can build on success. So the first stuff that we've done is using this advanced system to do teaching and training. And uh, that has been really fantastic. I mean, the people that use it are just like, you know, you hear gasps and like, oh my gosh, and this is like science fiction. And so it's really fun. Even senior medical folks uh, were super excited. And they even find that using a three-dimensional uh, hologram that you can interact with allows them to have insights that they just didn't have before. And just even on traditional idealized models. So the next step is we're working on using the system for more intuitive pre-surgical planning. And we've already uh, been able to help some of our surgeons uh, understand really complex cases in three dimensions in, in an interactive way that they couldn't before and had a direct impact on how they approach the care. We're doing a lot of work to do cutting edge surgical guidance. And we're working on some FDA equipment to ensure that the accuracy is precise. Cause you know, obviously in, in healthcare, the, the stakes are high. So we're being extra, extra diligent with that, but making some great progress. And the really cool thing is you can take someone, get this, uh, and you can take someone's own CT scan. You can transform it into a three-dimensional hologram that you can then manipulate in, in your own hands in front of you in this system. And then you can take that hologram in three dimensions you can superimpose it upon that same person, same CT scan in three dimensions for the first time in this way, onto that person. And then as a physician, a surgeon, a nurse, you can actually have 3D x-ray vision. It's super powerful, very profound. And once we have all this stuff lined up, then you can use that system to accurately navigate to areas in a, a more efficient and safe way than you could before. So that's really cool. Now there's a bunch of other stuff that we're working on, remote consultation and guidance, you know, uh, consultations for people in remote areas or sharing of knowledge across the country and even, you know, having a consortium of people coming together and to provide the best possible care available for the patients that we're taking care of. So there's a lot of stuff in between that, but that's just sort of a, a quick overview. Yeah, that's really cool. And it sounds like it provides, in essence, a, a more finessed and particularized and even sensitive kind of care, like being able to approach, you know, complex or, or particular conditions a patient might be dealing with, with even more precision. I'm reminded a little bit, this is obviously a very different area, but I'm reminded of the work that's been done at Puget Sound and across VA's 3D printing network as a whole that allows, in terms of pre-surgical prep, to print out replicas of, say, you know, organs or, or, or parts of the body that the surgeon might be working on in advance to sort, of, to sort of help with that area of surgical prep as well. And something I want to ask as well, and this is a bit more of a, a macrocosmic question, and that is, how can 5G be used to help VA better manage its healthcare networks as a whole? And let's say, including especially in areas like patient observation and critical information sharing, how is it really helping uh, not purely in terms of the the obvious necessity of providing patient care, but in in broader healthcare management. Wow, you bring up a lot of really good points, Adam. So I'll try to touch on some of that stuff. So I just to touch on the three D printing stuff. Totally agree. Three D printing has a you know is really powerful for pre surgical planning and assessment. 
and to make things more tangible for training and teaching as well. The, the thing that's extra, and there's a lot of like shared and transferable skills and uh, technologies and techniques, but what's really kind of compelling about using this system is you can have people who are geographically separated, maybe in California, maybe in New York or, you know, Africa or Asia or anywhere, and they can be obviously in different geographic locations, but be in the same virtual room and interact with the same virtual three-dimensional hologram of someone's anatomy. And so now instead of people traveling across country or across the world to share ideas or to help with a, a challenging case, they can just put on a headset and, you know, at a five or 10 minute break. And now you have this, you know, brain trust, so to speak, and you can, What's really compelling is you can democratize care. And this is particularly important for, you know, everybody, right? COVID, you know, you, you know, we have isolation issues, but even just, you know, in traditional uh, way of running business before a couple of years ago, it is challenging to go across country to learn a new technique or process, or quite frankly, to consult in a difficult case that you need to understand what's going on in complex ways. So that's really profound, but also for our veterans in particular, something like 60% of our veterans live in rural communities. And so the idea that the physicians and the patients that they take care of in rural communities can have you know, access to the same level of advanced knowledge and care and shared resources at a distance that they could if they're living in urban areas is really compelling. And so the idea of democratizing healthcare for our veterans, and when we get that right, then those ideas are transferable to the rest of the country and quite frankly, the rest of the world. Yeah, no, that does sound really promising because if memory serves, VA has always been, for a long while, been a real hub of medical care and health IT innovation. And obviously as a public agency focused on public service, things that are developed within the VA are obviously very quickly going to be adopted elsewhere, really improving American healthcare as a whole, not just purely that delivered within VA's network. And speaking of that, of course, our time is, is kind of coming to a close here, but I wanted to ask a final question, and that is, in terms of, of going forward, where do you see in the future, where do you see these 5G capacities being applied? What kind of future initiatives do you see possible in the near horizon or that are about to be launched that you think our audience uh, should know about? Oh, man, that's there's so much exciting potential. So certainly the things that we talked about that we're doing right now and it's quite frankly, that's bleeding edge stuff when it comes to using three-dimensional holograms for pre-surgical planning and surgical guidance, as well as teaching and training. That stuff is, is happening in our labs and, usually, and also happening in directly with clinicians who are taking care of folks. So different things are at different stages, but it's all happening in different degrees right now. Then other things that are really exciting is this idea of additional ways of doing edge computing. So edge computing, you know, has been defined a couple of ways, but basically it's using uh, systems to connect in ways that they didn't before. So you can leverage the capacity of advanced computing elsewhere and bring it to another place. So imagine you're taking care of a patient in the ICU and, uh, you know, you go into the ICU and geez, there's bells and whistles and, and so much information going on. If you're able to take that information together 
and in put it into a machine learning algorithm that's maybe on a cloud-based server and extract actionable insights from that data. And you know, you, so you relay it from the point of care to a place where you can have advanced processing, and then you bring it back to the point of care again, and you do that and you relay it back and forth very quickly because you can with this infrastructure and provide clinical decision support. So you can predict what's gonna happen perhaps before it happens and get ahead of things and be proactive and have advanced sort of guidance and suggestions about how to do things in ways that you couldn't have done before. So, I mean, we've done a lot of this work in the lab, uh, so to speak, where we have been able to extract insights from big data and big data analytics through advanced statistics and machine learning. But if you can do that real time because you have this infrastructure, then that becomes really powerful. And if you have, you know, like a heads up display, like we've been talking about with the HoloLens, then you can see the patient, you can, you know, pull in information both from the electronic health record and from what you're seeing on the monitors. And you can bring all that together at once. And now we're providing care that is a century away. And we have the ability to do that now. So we're in the near future. So that's really exciting. It all sounds incredibly promising. And again, like a foundation for so many, you know, wonderful and, and hopeful things to come. Again, Dr. Osborne, just want to thank you so much for coming onto the program. Thank you so much, Adam. HealthCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentciomedia.com slash podcasts. HealthCast is produced by Amy Kluber, hosted by Melissa Harris and Adam Patterson. If you liked what you heard, let us know by leaving a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.